This is a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Not Lukewarm Podcast with Diana Bartolini, a speaker, writer, and spiritual director who wants you to know your faith and live not lukewarm. Hello, everyone. It's Diana Bartolini with the Not Lukewarm Podcast, and I am very excited to be here with you today. I have an author interview. We're going to be talking to Rachel Balducci who has just written a new book called No Such Thing as Ordinary. Let me introduce Rachel, and then we will say hi to her. So Rachel Balducci is a speaker, writer, and co-host of The Gist on Catholic TV. She teaches journalism at Augusta University and is married to Paul. They have five sons and one daughter. So welcome, Rachel. Hey, thank you so much for having me. I am excited Tell us about this book. So I'm going to read the whole title for everyone. Okay. I'm going to say it again. No such thing as ordinary unlocking your extraordinary life through everyday encounters with Jesus. And what you did was you took the gospel story from the woman at the well and interspersed it with life. Yeah. So I love the story of the woman at the well. And I I say this in every interview, but I can't not say it. I feel like she's just like a close friend now that I spent so much time thinking about her and, you know, like reflecting on her encounter with Jesus. Use that story um, as a framework for things that I was wanting to share about what God had done for me. And I realized as, you know, as I compared what God had done for me this close encounter with Jesus that, that Jesus offered to me, it was the same offer that he made to this the woman in the Bible. And this, the, the longest conversation that Jesus has with a woman in the Bible. And it, I just got so excited because, you know, Jesus is offering that same transformative encounter to us today in the circumstances of our life that he did for this woman. And the thing that was so amazing about her story was that, you know, it's the story of the woman. She goes to the well in the middle of the day because she kind of needs to be there when there aren't a lot of people, like for a variety of reasons, she's broken, she's battered here. She is getting water at the hottest part of the day. And there is Jesus sitting at the well waiting for her and not just wanting to have this encounter with her, but offering her something that is way better than the water she's seeking. You know, he says, I'm going to offer you something that will quench your thirst in a way like you never knew you could even have. Jesus offers that for each one of us. And so I kind of just broke that down. Like what was this almost transaction that, that Jesus had with this woman? What was the offer? What, what did she have to consider? What was the risk? And then in saying, yes, what did that do for her? You know, and just kind of like reflecting on the fact that we all have that same offer and that same opportunity. I think that is so important to remember, right? Jesus, what he offered the woman at the well what he offered everyone in all the gospels is what he offers to us. But we are so hesitant or we think, no, no, he means that other person over there. He doesn't really mean me. It it can't be me. Yeah. And he doesn't ask us to do anything extraordinary in, in one sense. In one sense, he does ask us for something extraordinary, which is to say yes to him and to accept his offer. But on the other hand, we don't have to, leave our home. We don't have to leave our family. And I think when I emailed you, and I know when we had our little conversation just before we started interviewing, what I what really struck me in the book is that it is about what people can do or really how to live your life every day. 
Yeah. In the circumstances you find yourself in. Yeah. And to find real meaning in what you're doing right now. Um, and for me, the experience that I had, um, so you mentioned I have six kids. So our first four boys were born in five years. So, you know, by the time the oldest was five, I had a fourth baby. Um, and life was so crazy then. I really barely had time to notice that there was a world outside of my little home, you know, like I did some freelance writing, but in that season, like just the reality of my day-to-day existence was just enough to keep me completely focused on that. But we all have those moments where we feel like life is passing us by. And then I realized as my kids got older and then we added a fifth son to the mix. And then a few years later, our sixth child was a girl. Um, and I started to get more mobility Um, and then I got less mobility. So I I lay it out in the book, but the big thing that I want people to understand is a couple of things. One, this deep longing that, that I had, that I know each one of us has of wanting to do something really profound with our life and motherhood is wonderful. But you know, even when, look, I have six kids and even that season shifted greatly. Like I'm here to tell you that season is going to change. You know, obviously I'm still a mom, but I don't have all these little kids running around. So my identity can't really just become exclusively like I'm a young stay at home mom. That was, that was what I was doing for a season. So this desire to do something really grand. And then for me, as someone who um, has really, ever since I was in high school, had a real relationship with Jesus, you know, I had an encounter with him in high school, but then what that left me wanting was this feeling of wanting to do something really great for the Lord when the time was right. And so, you know, we can have that sense of like, yes, I want to go out and share the gospel when my kids are bigger or when the opportunity presents itself or when I get that opportunity to go to the mission trip. Well, what do we do with ourselves in the meantime? And what I, what I came to realize through God really opening my eyes is that the, the extraordinary thing that we, each one of us has this sense of, you know, wanting to have happen in our life that is an in the moment opportunity that Jesus offers each one of us. And it's not about waiting for your life to begin. And I explain in the book, um, the thing that really like was the starting point for so much of this. It's so funny is I was sitting in a theater watching Moana and I had taken my daughter, but she was there with like friends and she was little, I think she was three or four. So I was sort of sitting alone. I had this sense of being at the movie, having like a very individual experience with this movie, right. Instead of sitting there with my daughter. She was in front of me and Moana gets on the boat to, to go off into the ocean. And I found myself so resentful that she got to just pick up and go have this adventure. And I could never do that, you know, like, but it wasn't that I didn't love my life or love my family, but it was like, what do I do with this feeling deep inside of me that, that is a desire to do something extraordinary when I'm not in a position, like, am I supposed to just be on hold until then? So that's kind of what starts to unfold for me. And getting back to the woman at the well was that reality that this feeling I had, this hole in my heart was something that God was allowing me to be aware of because he wanted to fill it in a way that nothing else could. And that it's so funny. I've never seen the movie. I, I may have to uh, go ahead and see it, watch it now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that idea that God wants to fill us and give us those experiences. And oftentimes we're like, okay, well, we'll get to it later when the time is right. But life has a way of never being perfect. Hmm. And so <laughs> it's like, it's never the right time. It just, it just isn't. And so we have to say, and I love the way you said that is that what, what is God asking 
right here, right now, it is a great adventure. Yes. And when you are, you know, changing diapers and folding laundry and trying to get babies to eat, it may not seem like you are doing something very great, but you are. And it's important. And it's important from the perspective that you're doing exactly what God is asking you to do at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the beautiful thing about life in Christ in this regard with this, with this lens is that it works for every season we're in. So that if I'm so focused on my vocation to motherhood as being my identity, well, that's going to work for the season that my kids are little. So then who, like, am I this lost person when that season is over and God's call and his, you know, his desire for us to have a deep understanding of who we are is a timeless opportunity for each one of us. So that, and it's two things. One, it's recognizing, and I talk a lot in the book about Catherine Doherty, who, you know, if you haven't heard of her, anybody listening, look her up. She's incredible. Uh, she's a woman who founded the Madonna house, but she, um, I share this, a story in the book about a friend who um, had spent several summers at the Madonna house in Canada. And she gave me this pamphlet called the duty of the moment. And it was such a game changer for me because all of a sudden I started to connect the dots. Like, the thing I'm doing right now is the thing that God is asking me to do. And sometimes it can grand and glorious thing. And sometimes it's not most of the time it's not, but it can be grand and glorious if we see it for what it is, which is the thing God is asking us to do. So then it becomes, you know, the woman who's caring for elderly parents, the the person who is watching her children leave for college, the single who is praying for a spouse, none of us are in a holding pattern. We're all in, nothing is wasted. And I heard a friend say that not too long ago. And I loved that. Like God is using the circumstances of everything we have going on to draw us into deeper union with him. And that was the second thing that I, that I touch on in the book is not just the things that we do, but ultimately it's who we are at our core. And that this whole, that we feel and the world tells us that can be filled. And, and I, unfortunately, I think there are even, you know, some voices within the Christian community that are popular that are saying like, go after your dreams, do, do the thing that's going to, that's not a bad message if you're inspired to do something great, but it's a bad message. If you think it's going to take away this feeling inside of you of wanting more, because that is a God-sized hole that God wants to fill. And ultimately that's so much more important than anything we do, because we will get to a point in our life where we're not known nor seen for what we do. I mean, we won't have much to offer. You know, if we have the the ability to make it to our 80s or 90s, we're not going to necessarily be out there doing a lot, but that doesn't change, you know, what God wants to be doing with each one of us. Yeah. I think it's, it's interesting you say that, you know, oh, chase after your dream. And so what does it do? Because for some people, the fact that they are with their family and taking care of their family, that's their dream. That, because that is literally what God wants them to do. So why isn't that enough? That is enough. And it is very true that our, if we get our identity from what we do or, or what the label is, right? You know, like you're the mom of, you know, whomever or the, the wife of whomever. Um, our identity comes from Christ. Yeah. That's where our identity comes from. And unless it stays with him, you're absolutely, you're, you're correct that nothing we do is going to make a difference in that. Yeah. Nothing we can do. And I love that God really, like he put that code within us. Like he made us 
to only be at peace when we're resting in him. You know, we're, as St. Augustine said, our hearts will be restless until they rest in the Lord, but we have to start to quiet down enough to be aware of all the the wrong ways that we're trying to fill that hole. Um, And I'll tell you, one of the stories, you know, that I share in the book is, okay, so I finally, you know, fast forward all these years of wanting to do something grand and glorious for the Lord and motherhood was, is very fulfilling for me, but also wanting to do something big, you know, I was made for greatness. And then I got to go on this um, trip to El Salvador using my writing skills. I'm a former newspaper reporter. And I got to share about this Catholic, this group that does all this, it's not charity work, but basically, you know, all the good that this group was doing. And I would, we would observe all day and come back and I'd write about it at night. And I wrote newspaper articles and I wrote for my blog. And it was like one of the days I rode down in the back of a truck with all these other people getting down, you know, looking at this volcano in the distance, right? Like it doesn't get any better than this. Okay. But then fast forward 24 hours and I'm back home standing in front of my washing machine, putting nasty, dirty basketball socks in. And I said to to the Lord, this is not the best use of my skills. And I felt like the Lord, you would think you would feel like shameful for saying that. And I just felt the sense of God's love for me in that moment. But it was when I said it sort of out loud in my mind and in my heart, I realized that something was off in my thinking and like something needed to shift. I I couldn't like just let my life be all about the next big, grand, cool, visible thing that I was doing. There's some growth and humility in that, right? I'm not made to wash dirty basketball socks. For me, it was my son uh, went to culinary school and the laundry just it was a different odor than basketball socks. And I would think, really, is this my next call in life to figure out how to get the smell out of these clothes? <laughs> like, like this can't be it, right? There's, there's got to be something more. <laughs> yes. And yes. Uh, laundry tip, there is no way to get that smell out of clothes, just so you know. <laughs> <laughs> and we want that. We want to do something wonderful. We want to do something big. And we feel as if we're not enough if we don't do everything. I think when I, when I finished reading your book, I put something on Instagram. I think I wrote like the, the, it was like your book is the antidote to the do it all now. And I always think, because I'm not going to lie, when I was younger, I definitely had that. I'm going to do everything. I, I'm going to do everything. I'm going to have a family. I'm going to have a great career. I'm going to have a lot of education. I'm going to... And for a time, I tried to do it all simultaneously. It was ugly, very ugly (laughs) for a lot of reasons. But now what I think is you can have it all, just not at the same time. Absolutely. I love that. I mean, I think that's the truth nugget out there. And that gets back to this idea, like getting back to Jesus and the woman at the well. Jesus, that is the truth. And whether we hear it from God or like for me, when I started to lean into this idea of the duty of the moment, that means that the thing I'm doing now is the thing God is asking me to do. God has a plan for me, which means I'm on God's radar. Do I trust and believe these things to be true? Because if that is the case, if I trust that God knows me, he sees me, he loves me, he has a plan for me. He's given me gifts. He wants me to use them. I have to start to lean into God's timing, which means I have to be at peace, not always driving the train. And that doesn't mean we sit back and just like, don't try to do anything. But we pay attention to like, and a big game changer for me was getting back to this concept of identity. Am I seeking my sense of identity and worth from the things I do? And I got in a lot of trouble. I write this about this in the book. 
I got myself in a lot of trouble because I had several years where I was saying yes to a lot of things because I wanted to feel seen and I wanted to feel validated. And the fruit in my personal life, in my spiritual life, I was falling apart at the seams because I was doing things in a disordered way. None of it was sinful, but the fruit of it was just really bad. And it was because I had to be honest with myself. I was trying to figure out who I was um, by getting involved in things that were very depleting for me. And so that was such an important learning lesson. And I think that's kind of why, you know, it is wisdom. We go through hard seasons and we learn a lot, but at the same time, it's like the world really tells us that our worth comes from what we do and it will cause a lot of problems because we will all, no matter what season we're in, if we're not careful, have days where we ask ourselves, is this all there is? And then if we're listening to the voices of that, you know, the world tells us, no, it's not all there is. There's a lot more. You got to go out there and find it. It's going to cause problems. Because not only the world says you, you are valued for what you do. You need to keep doing more because yes. you're not enough. Yeah. So it's, it's that constant. And God says, no, I made you, you are good. Yeah. And you're so true. Like if we're always trying to fill that God size hole with the next thing we do, we will always have to do more because it will never feel like enough because we weren't made for it to, to feel, feel like enough. We were made for something more, which ironically we discover what that more is by, to me, really getting quiet, retreating and listening to the silence, you know, listening to the, to the quiet, still voice of our creator who tells us our worth. Which is what you describe in your book is really a time of definite like conversion for yourself, right? That that shift. So tell us a little bit about that shift to finding that quiet. Yeah. So basically what happened for me was that you know, um, I could feel a pull inside of me, like a thirst. I can only describe it as a thirst, you know, like, and I'm at this well and and I'm trying, like the way I'm using prayer in that season was very, the way I used it was very much almost like this sit down, check it off the list, say the stuff. And, And unfortunately when prayer is that like that, prayer is all about your problems because it's like, Hey God, I'm worried about this kid. This is what I think you should do to fix it. Okay. Here's kid number two and let's go on to my marriage and let's, you know, and then prayer is just really a focus on your problems and how you have come up with a solution that you want God, you know? So that was kind of the level I was living at. God was very much a part of my life, but my relationship with him felt very utilitarian, right? I got to have this prayer time and I got to talk about my problems. And And then like, I really somehow had a conversation with somebody and I, and I was able to articulate this deeper thirst and I didn't understand it, but I said, I just want to know God intimately. Like, I don't even know if I knew to use those words. Like I want to feel a sense of God's presence and love for me in a way that I'm not feeling right now. And so he gave me the book who, um, and it's a friend who's now my spiritual director, um, the cloud of unknowing. And I, this is an old book. It's not even in print anymore, but it, what it opened up for me, whether people get their hands on it or not, is simply this idea of contemplative prayer. And it was the idea of prayer being a time of just not talking, but just working to feel God's presence, opening myself up and saying, I'm here, Lord. And then it's that relationship of trust again, getting back to like our soul really is. I love the prayer that you said before we, we started this interview of like, busting through all the different, I'm not sure what the wording was, but for me, I, at that time, I started to envision my soul 
as this space. And it was like a tiny little door and I opened it and there was a, a tiny foyer that I swept and that's where me and Jesus hung out. Right. And then I, there were all these doors in this hallway and those were all off limits because I didn't trust that God could handle knowing this brokenness about me. And little by little, this time in quiet, I remember the opportunity. I had this one really big wound and I write about it in the book. Um, opening that door to that space, the space of real woundedness and God getting in that messiness and just transforming me. Um, and then all of a sudden, because that was so incredible, I trusted him with another little area and another little area. And I know that that's just going to be, you know, as humans, we will spend our life opening another little part of ourselves to the Lord. But for me, that experience of when I sit in the silence and I just open myself, you know, open these hands up um, and release these things, the Lord fixes things in ways that I never could have imagined way better than my things I show up with, you know? And so that made prayer something so much better than just living at the level of my own imagination, which is nothing compared to God. Well, everything that we come up with is, is going to fall short of what God can, can do. And that's not to say that we're bad or stupid or, or we don't care or we're sinful. That's not it at all. It's just, we're not God. Um, We're not God. He always has a better plan. So I think that's really important. And so I think contemplative prayer, anyone listens to this, my podcast with regularity, um, we talk about contemplative prayer quite a bit because I happen to think it's a really good idea as well. Because I think for too long, most of us had this idea of prayer as being, okay, now, like you said, I'm going to sit down and I'm going to talk to God and I'm going to tell him, I'm going to tell him, well, who really, we're going to tell him. Um, And he, he gets it because he knows us, right? We don't get in trouble for it. But at some point you have to be quiet. And I think that's the, I certainly never learned that in, in school growing up, you know, I didn't learn to be quiet in prayer until I was an adult, you know, and I think that's a huge task for people um, to learn to be quiet and not only to be quiet, but to not have input. Yeah. It's It's not the same kind of quiet as when you go to a movie or, or you're going to mass and you're listening. No, it's, it's quiet without external input coming in. And that's hard for people. Yeah. It's a form of surrender. Um, and and that gets back to, you know, one of the chapters I talk about too, is like that woman, the woman at the well, Jesus offers something to her and she has to decide if she trusts him and then she has to surrender her will. Um, and you can't do that with somebody that you don't feel like, you know, it would be folly, you know? And so to sit in silence and God just connects with us in a way in that silence where, you know, it's him and you're, you are transformed. And the more you experience that love, the more, you know, you can trust him to do big things. Um, and then the big things become really like something very sacred that only you in the Trinity can have. Then I'm amazed at how in my willingness to quit making it all about me and making it more about just me and God in this quiet place, he gives me the words I need to say to the people he wants me to speak to. And he opens doors of opportunity for me to do the things he wants me to do. And I'm not even saying this all happens within this little bubble of the Catholic church, or it all has to be Jesus related. Like one big thing that surprised me a few years ago is out of the blue, I got the opportunity uh, and I'm now, I, I teach at the local university. 
for the longest time, I just thought that everything that I did for God, wanting to stay in the center of his will, meant that it would just 100% have to be in a religious setting. This was a great example of me being willing to sort of open these hands and say, I want to do what you want me to do, Lord. Um, I assumed it was one thing and that got me in some real trouble, not trouble, but you know what I mean? Like I was picking and choosing what I assumed God wanted me to do and that it worked for a while. And then it was time to not be doing that anymore. And it was like, God, he has these big plans for us that if we're really, if we get to this trust and surrender, um, he wants to, he wants to knock our socks off, you know, but he wants to do it in his time. And that's, that is why I wanted to write this book is I want people like women, especially, but I think men need to hear this too. Although my book has such a gorgeous pink cover that I think mostly women are going to be attracted to it. This idea of really God has a plan for you. You can do all the things you can't do them all at the same time. Do you trust that where you're at now is where he wants you to be? Do you trust that the gifts he's given you, he will allow you to use them in his time? And bottom line, do you want to be happy? Because if you're living outside the will of God, you will be tired. You will not be happy. And I, I, that's why I wrote this book. Like I want people to learn from the hard season that I went through. I think that's really, and those are important takeaways. And hopefully I'm, I'm taking some notes. So I'll put them in the show notes as well. So we have a better memory of them. But it is very true that if we are living outside the will of God, we will never be happy. That's very true. We are running out of time, but I want to get to a couple of things before we finish. So first of all, publisher of the book is Ave Maria Press. And obviously we can find it on AveMariaPress.com. Where else is it? It's on Amazon as well. Okay. All right. Very good. And your website is rachelbalducci.com and your Instagram handle is Rachel Balducci. I, I want to highly encourage you to follow Rachel. She cracks me up. She just absolutely cracks me up because, you know, again, as she made the point that you don't, everything you do doesn't have to be like in a religious connotation or setting, right? We're allowed to have fun. Catholics can have fun. Christians can have fun lightheartedness is helpful. And I'm not, yes, there are serious things on her feed, but the funny things are really funny. And you can also see uh, Rachel on The Gist, which is on Catholic TV. She has a great Not Lukewarm Challenge, which when I read it, I was like, yes, she gets me. Of course, I know it's not all about me, but nonetheless, do you want to share your challenge or shall I tell the folks what you came up with? You tell it. You tell us. All right. So Rachel is suggesting that you spend 10 minutes a day, quiet time with Jesus, put in your calendar, set a timer, go into the quietest place you can find. There's no judgment here, wherever that is, (laughs) and spend 10 minutes just putting yourself in God's presence and asking what he wants from you. It's not that you're going to get an answer at that very moment, but slowly and little by little things will shift and you will see that you are where God wants you to be, that the people he's put in your life, they need you and they need you for a reason, for a purpose. And it may not always be pretty or perfect, but it all works in the end, you know? And I think that's what we have to remember. All right. Anything else, Rachel, that you want to share with us or tell us that we ought to do? (laughs) I think ending on that note, like, you know, that's the number one little tool that changed everything for me 
was when I realized, you know, if I want my biceps to, to have some muscles, I have to get to the gym and lift weights. Um, if I want to eat healthy, I have to make the meal. If I want to have a sense of deep peace and joy, I have to commit to the time. I can't just say my life is a prayer. And I spent too many years sort of saying that as a busy mama. And I get it. it like you said, this isn't an, like no shame, no accusing, but it is Holiness is the best gift you can give your family. A parish priest said that to um, us years ago, and I don't know that I fully understood it at the time, but if you lean in to committing to time and prayer, everything else will fall into place. You'll be amazed. Very true. I wish I had known that when I first got married. Everyone, thank you for being here. I love when you all visit with me on the Not Lukewarm podcast. As always, have a wonderful week. God bless you, and don't forget to always live not lukewarm. Thanks for listening to the Not Lukewarm Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, tell a friend, or leave a review wherever you listen. Show notes and links are at notlukewarmpodcast.com.